Well, I'm very excited uh, to be part of a church like this. I, I love to hear stories of people getting saved. I love to hear stories of you sharing your faith with people and bringing them to the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, I'm excited to share with you, uh, to introduce to you, a ministry partnership that we have in Chile. And um, 12, nine years ago, in 2012, I got to meet um, Robin and Alejandro Armijo. And um, they're sitting right down here with us. Jacqueline is their daughter and is here. And Andreas is in children's ministry for the second time. Yeah, so he's going to, like, be able to teach the lesson by the end of this, this service. Um, they came here in 2012. Uh, they had been in Chile as, as a missionary pastor in Chile, and they um, wanted to come get their citizenship here in America, and so they were required to be here for 18 months, so they spent some time here working in our ministry, um, in our Spanish ministry that we had at that time, and then they went back home to Chile, and then circumstances changed, and um, we invited them to come back up here, and they spent time here um, as the pastor of our Spanish ministry for a few years, but then there was something nagging in their heart to go back to Chile because it's their home, and they want to win Chile for Jesus. And um, I'm so thankful that God has brought Alejandro and Robin into, um, into the life of this church, but into my life. I'm so thankful for them as friends. And my heart knit really quickly to Alejandro's because of his passion for the Lord and his passion for sharing the gospel. You're going to hear about that today. Um, they're here on furlough uh, for a couple of months. And I said to them, I said, you're going to have to be here to preach because you need to get up here and preach before the people and just share um, what the Lord is doing. So this is the week that we get to hear from, from uh, Robin. Robin, why don't you just kind of wave to everybody so they can see who you are. And um, Robin, you're going to get up and speak, right? No, you're not. She's not going to. But Alejandro's going to speak on their behalf. And um, I just want to tell you, this, these, these guys, they know what it is to do ministry um, for the gospel. They know what it is to be missionaries. We support them on a monthly basis um, to be out there representing the Lord Jesus Christ in Chile. And, um, oh, man, I'm not going to be able to remember the town now. Ran, Rancawa. Ran. Do you guys know how to do that? Ran. Let's try it. Let's all try it. Yeah, you can't do it either. But he's going to show us how to. The funny thing is, is he's been over there back in Chile speaking, speaking Spanish all the time. So he came to me and he goes, Phil, I'm, not, I'm nervous about my, my English because I've not been practicing my English. And I said, what did I say? Don't worry, Alejandro. You're going to be preaching out of Acts. Back in the Acts chapter 2, the disciples were preaching and people heard in their language. We'll hear. We'll hear in our language as you come and speak to us. Let's welcome to the platform Alejandro Armijo. Uh, what an introduction. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. And we appreciate so much. Uh, the partnership we have with you, and since we came here the first time nine years ago, <clears throat> we, we've been so blessed through uh, FBC, uh, through Phil and the team, and I remember those days when we were together, 
and I miss those days, and, uh, but I'm thankful uh, that uh, the Lord um, brought us here. Um, you know, we used to be members from a church, a great church, um, Baptist church in New Jersey, Shawnee Baptist Church, for many years. But then the Lord brought us here, and this is our family, and we've been so blessed. Uh, so first, thank you, everyone. Thank you, Phil. Thank you uh, to the staff for their help. Thank you. Uh, for being part of our ministry uh, because every time you give to God, every time you give to FVC, uh, a percentage of that money goes to Chile, to what is going, uh, what God is doing in Chile through us. So you have a part of what God is doing in Chile. We appreciate it so much, and we appreciate uh, Phil uh, his support, his friendship since the first time I, I told him, listen, we are considering going back to Chile. Uh, he said, if God is leading you to Chile, we will help you. We will back you up. And, and we appreciate that very much. Would have been as easy as it was to go back. It wasn't for Phil and the team and you guys. So thank you so much. And um, as Phil said, when I came uh, with my family in March, <clears throat> my tongue was kind of hard. <clears throat> it was hard for me to speak in English again. I'm, I'm, my kids and my wife, they always speak English at home. And for some reason, they speak uh, to me in Spanish. So it doesn't give me um, many opportunities to practice. And um, so I told Phil, listen, let me speak at the end. And matter of fact, you are the last church I'm speaking now, you are the last, not the least. Huh? Uh, you are the most important one, so I wanted to get prepared for you. So now you, some of you might be thinking, well, if he's speaking, uh, you know, he's having trouble now speaking. I cannot even, even imagine when he came in March. <clears throat> well, you are right. <clears throat> but um, it's the Word of God talking to us. It's the Word of God talking to us through me, but it's God talking, and I'm sure God has something for us today. And we want to share with you about the ministry in Chile. We've been in ministry for 29 years in church planting in different areas of this narrow and long country, uh, Chile. It's a country of 19 million people, and it's uh, as long as the United States is wide. So it's pretty long, huh? but narrow. We have the, the Pacific and the West, and we have the Andes and the East. So it's a very isolated country, is that right? Very isolated country. We have natural borders, very interesting. But when you see Chile in the north, you will see very dry. As a matter of fact, it's the driest desert in the world, which is the Atacama Desert. We used to work in a city called Iquique, and every time people came to visit us, we asked them, what do you think? And they said, well, very brown. You see, it is brown, not much green. But then when you move to the central region, you find cities like Santiago, the capital. It's a city of 7 million people. And here you have four seasons, but mild seasons. Our winters can uh, sometimes are below uh, zero, but um, during the day, uh, sometimes 45, sometimes 50. It's not really, really extreme. And summers are 90, 95, but dry. We don't have tropical weather. Huh? We, it's not humid. So if you don't have air, you are fine huh? in Chile. But then you move south, 
and even uh, more green and a lot of rain, lakes, rivers, beautiful. And if you, as, as you start moving farther south, you even have glaciers. So what a contrast, what a difference in between the north and the south and how wonderful God is. Uh, he created that beautiful place called Chile. And we are working in a city called Rancagua. Uh, you don't have to say that, Rancagua. And it's a city that is located one hour south of the capital. It's uh, 50 miles, and it's a city of 300,000 people. I tell people it's a very small city because I, I, I grew up in Santiago. It's a large city. But some people say, hey, 300,000 people, it's, it's a lot of people. But uh, for me, <laughs> at least, it's a small city. Before I go uh, and share you about the ministry, let me tell you a little bit about our family. We have our, our older son, is Miguel. He was helping me here for a year with Sarah Kate in the music, in the Hispanic ministry. They are in ministry. He's in charge of the worship in a church in Pittsburgh, in Pennsylvania, and they have three kids. Belen didn't make it because she, she came to this world just uh, three and a half weeks ago. So they have three kids. We have three grandchildren. We don't enjoy them much because we're too far away, but we've been able to see them, and we will go and see them in about a week to say goodbye to them. And then we've been able to spend time with Natalia. She's in Michawaka. She's in the area, and she's working. And, um, and then Andres, uh, as Phil said, he will be able to teach the lesson probably by memory. He is seven, almost eight years old. So the four of us are in Chile, not the, just, not the whole family. Just the four of us are working in Chile, and we are working with a, a good friend of, of ours. Uh, Alejandro is his name. He has a nice name. And Alejandro Bravo. Alejandro Bravo and me grew up in the same Baptist church across the street from my parents' house. Seven years old, he accepted Christ with my mom in the Sunday school class. We grew up together when we were 17, 18. We were leaders of the uh, Bible club we had in our church. But the both of us, we had about 35 teens. And then the Lord called us into ministry in 1990. I went to Argentina. In 1991, he went to Argentina to study the Bible at the Word of Life Bible Institute. So we have so many things in common. I married a girl from the state. He said, I need to marry a girl from the state too. No, 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 it wasn't that way, but he ended up marrying a girl from Ohio, Melissa, they have three kids, and we are doing the same thing, church planting, so a lot of things in common, so sometimes people in our church have a problem, you know, because they say Pastor Alejandro, and people are confused, what Alejandro, so they call me Pastor A, they call him Pastor B. <laughs> now, when you see us, there's a big difference, because Alejandro is very tall, it's about this but um, we are church, uh, starting a church. We are working and um, planting a church in the city of Rancagua. Uh, and we have a, a, about 150 people. We used to meet before COVID uh, in this uh, location. Uh, this room sits about 150 people. So every Sunday we were packed. A lot of excitement. People bringing friends. One of the great things about church planting is that you have a lot of new believers. And new believers are excited about God. And they are always telling people about Jesus and always inviting people. So I don't remember one Sunday that we didn't have at least one person visiting for the first time. And um, so we've been having a lot of decisions for Christ. These two ladies have something in common. They are from Venezuela. We have a lot of immigration. I will tell you a little bit about that. And, and Mylene accepted Christ and, and Jahaira accepted Christ. And I will talk to, uh, about them a little bit in, during my message. And Oscar, uh, he's a businessman. He owns restaurants in, in the city of Rancagua. Interesting, his story. 
Um, I, uh, I went with Alejandro. We were in the middle of COVID. We wanted to have a meeting. We wanted to go and eat somewhere, and we didn't have anywhere. All the restaurants were closed. So um, they were selling for takeout. And we went to his, one of his places, and he noticed that we were thinking of maybe going to the car to eat the sandwich and have the meeting. He said, don't tell anyone. You can come and see. And he introduced himself. I own this place, and we start talking. He gave me his WhatsApp, and I called him later, and we met, and he accepted Christ. Now pray for him, because one of the consequences of COVID has been a lot of emotional and psychological problems. Many people committed suicides. And I met his son, 14 years old, twice in one of his restaurants, and he committed suicide two months ago, 14 years old. So he's having a hard time. And, uh, but many people coming to know Christ and coming to church and being part of our church. And, and when they get baptized, we get them involved in a discipleship, and then we baptize them, of course. You know, and this is uh, one of the events we had because we usually do a picnic day and we baptize all of them together. But because of COVID, the last time you will see in this next picture that uh, we had to baptize small groups of people in some uh, people from our church that have pools. We did baptisms, but we still did baptisms this past uh, January and February, and we baptized, I believe, 12, 13 people. And after they get baptized, we, we invite them to take a class of membership. So to be, be able to be a member from our church, they need to know Christ, they need to get baptized, and they, they need to take this class. And most people coming to our church are members now, and we are excited about that. So the youth group is growing. We usually take um, advantage of having the Word of Life camp close uh, only an hour away. So we took a bus and a half of young people, and you guys um, help us to do this possible because you give us an offering, and we took a lot of young people. So we have a large amount of young people. We have a lot of kids. Most people in our church, in our church plant, are younger couples. They have kids. They have teens. And we are kind of over the hill now, you know? Yeah, you get to that age when you talk to people in ministry, and most of them are younger than you. It's funny. It's sad. <laughs> and, this is a, and this is the men's ministry. Huh? And we, have a, we used to have a breakfast once a month in this long table. Men, these men are excited. Some of them are now deacons, and they are growing, and they are taking leadership positions in our church. And the ladies are growing, Robin and Melissa, they are doing a great job with them. So the ministry is, is growing, and we praise the Lord for that. that. COVID came. COVID is another chapter. It's another uh, story. Because, uh, listen, 15 months ago was the last time our church met. Now, we, we did meet for 10 weeks. And those pictures uh, you saw are in a school that we found, and we were able to meet for 10 weeks because we had a little window in our region Numbers were a little better, and they allowed us to meet in open air up to 100 people, and we met for 10 weeks. But 99.9% .9 of the churches in Chile, the last time they met was 15 months ago. Now, now, finally, Chile moved to phase four, and now churches are starting to open, but they have to put one chair here, a meter, another church, a meter. And most churches have small buildings, so they cannot really see a lot of people, so they have to do... Um, Surfaces and also do it online because some people cannot make it, cannot do it. So 
COVID brought a lot of um, restrictions to Chile. As I mentioned, a lot of emotional problems, even Robin and I. Sometimes we were, you know, inside the house wondering what to do. I mean, you couldn't go to the store. You have two permits per week for two hours, and you needed to get the permit online. And everywhere you wanted to get in, do you have your permit? Do you have your permit? Oh, I didn't bring it. No, you cannot get in. So, and the borders were closed. We couldn't go from one region to another one because the police or military were there uh, making sure you have the papers you needed to. So, a lot of difficulties. And to do ministry was hard because you can, you know, you can visit the people. People was afraid for you to go and visit them. So many people would want to visit them from the fans. We prayed for them, but we didn't really go into their homes. But um, another situation, um, I wouldn't say problem, another um, issue in Chile that is uh, arising in the last uh, several years is immigration. Immigration is growing like crazy in Chile. Just in one year, 100,000 Haitians came to Chile. Now, we're talking a country of 90 million people. So 100,000 Haitians in one year is a lot of people. And so we have close to 2 million immigrants in Chile now most of them from Haiti and from Venezuela. This is a true picture. It's a picture from the desert in the north of Chile, people crossing illegally the border to come to Chile. They come all the way from Venezuela to Colombia, to Ecuador, Peru, Bolivia, they cross the border. And, uh, and this creates a lot of opportunities, a lot of problems, a lot of needs. But for us as Christians, for us as church planters, opportunities to minister to people. So you guys also gave us some money and we bought groceries. We made those boxes. I was looking at the pictures of the missionaries in India. Same thing. We, we bought um, uh, the, those groceries and we delivered them to the people from our church because some of them lost their jobs but many of those boxes went to unsafe people because the same people from our church came and said listen we have a family neighbors they lost their, their, their jobs and, and we went there and we knocked at the door and, and we gave them you know the food and then we shared with them about Jesus and many of them came to know Christ and now are part of our online services. So we are excited for the opportunities got opened. We are praying for a property. Uh, one acre point three. It's just part of this, what, what you see. It's not the, the whole thing. It's just one acre point three, which will give us opportunity to build uh, facilities for our church. And we are short still. We are trying to raise Money. Now, this uh, property is located only two miles, two and a half miles away from where we used to meet. The start, the red start you see there, is where we were renting, and the property is straight north, and it's only two, two and a half miles, so it's not far away, and will give us so many, um, you know, uh, chances to build and have facilities, uh, maybe a swimming pool to make baptisms, a picnic area, outreach for young people, give us a lot of, a lot of varieties of uh, ministries. We are trying to raise $130,000. We already raised $100,000, and we are praying that the Lord will provide the remaining so we can purchase it. This year, we already talked to this man, so we are just waiting to have the money to do it. And then we will begin building with $200,000. We are trying to raise just as a kickoff. Things in Chile are very expensive. People sometimes think that everywhere, everywhere, everywhere else in the world you go with dollars, you can buy so many things. And there are countries in Latin America that the dollar goes very far. I know. 
but not Chile. Chile is probably the most expensive country in Latin America. Just the gas is getting close to $6 a gallon. Things are very expensive. So $200,000 are not going to take us far, but at least will give us a start point. And then with, with uh, churches coming and teams coming from the state, we will save in labor and we can advance and have a testimony for the glory of God in Rancagua. We, we've been involved, <clears throat> as I said before, in church planting in different areas. We began working when we just got married with Robin in, um, in Santiago, in San Joaquin, in that church, and that testimony is still there. Alejandro Bravo and I were involved in that church plant. Then we moved to another area of Santiago, Puente Alto. Fernando is the pastor there. They have their own place, their um, and they, they actually they started to meet today after 15 months. And then we went to the north to Iquique with my brother Hugo. We started a church, and there's a pastor there, and there's a testimony. They own their property too. And now we are in Rancagua. We want to do the same thing. We dream that the Lord will give us enough for that. Pray, pray for those needs, pray for our support. Uh, it's hard to find missionaries that are fully supported. Most missionaries are raising support, and we are not exception. We left uh, to Chile with 70% of our support. As time goes, um, you know, went by, we were, we were able to raise more. So we are to 85% of our support. We are still trying to raise $950 a month. And we have people uh, giving us monthly support, 35, 50, 100, you know, depend. If you are uh, willing to support us, uh, you can take one of our prayer cards and you can take, uh, there is a paper on our table that you can fill, you can send it to the mission. If you want to commit supporting us, we will really, really appreciate it. That everything about uh, the ministry in, uh, in Chile. Uh, let's go to the word of God. And we are going to go to the book of Acts, uh, beautiful books. I love the book of Acts. I'm so excited to read it because we can see God working in wonderful ways. Matter of fact, the, t- the title of the message I will share with you is God's work. God's work is extraordinary. God's work is extraordinary. And I, uh, you didn't hear, but in the first service, Matt was sharing about some of the great things they experienced in Africa. And uh, Matt knows uh, firsthand that God works miracles. And he just went through that. And uh, everywhere, not just in Africa, God is at work. And God's doing extraordinary work. God is doing extraordinary things in Elkhart, in, in Bristol, in Goshen, in Indiana, in the whole United States. Uh, when I uh, was here um, and I spoke the last time about three years ago, Phil and the pastors were preaching uh, a series on the book of Acts. Some of you might remember, I hope. And some of you might remember this pattern he shared because he repeated it every Sunday. And this is the pattern he shared with us. I remember the ministry pattern. The Holy Spirit leads. Always everything starts start with the Holy Spirit moving hearts of people. And then the Christian preach like Paul. And then the evil opposes. Always the devil is there trying to stop what God is doing. Then the believers persevere. They persevere even though the devil was trying to stop them. 
and the Father is glorified. Always God's work bring glory, not to you, not to me, to God. Yeah. Wonderful pattern. We are going to go to the chapter 19 of the book of Acts. We are going to read verse 11 through 20. And we are going to find five truths about God's work this morning. Is this a morning still? Yeah. 11.53 this morning. And um, I have to be careful with the time. And, um, but we have time. A couple hours, Phil said. Go ahead. <laughs> I might finish speaking by myself and you, are, you, you guys will be eating lunch already. Don't worry, I'm hungry too. So I want to finish. Five truths about God's work in the book of Acts chapter 19. Verse 11 and 12. Let's start reading those verses. Now, this is crazy. I'm not accustomed to speak here. So, uh, before I was trying to read those verses and I couldn't. So, I ended up reading it from my tablet. But I notice now that there are two uh, TVs here next to me. <laughs> Can you believe it? I didn't see them. <laughs> I was looking at everyone. I, now I realize. So, I can read it from here. Let's uh, read uh, these um, verses. God's work is not done, which is the first truth. Listen, God did extraordinary miracles. Yeah. We can read that and close our Bibles and go home and be blessed. Because God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even, listen, handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illness were cured and the evil spirit left them. Can you read? Now let's go to the, oh, okay, those are the, the two verses. Can you believe that? I mean, unbelievable. Paul had clothing that they took uh, um, you know, like aprons, and they took it to the sick. And they took it to those demon-possessed people. And when that clothes touched those bodies, they were healed. What a powerful power, the power of God. The same power of God is today at work. Now, a lot of times we get confused and we always... Uh, relate the power of God and, and miracles of God uh, to uh, sick people. And for sure God does extraordinary uh, um, miracles in sick people. I was talking with Alejandro the other day. We have a lot of police in our church, about five or six. And, uh, and one of them uh, told us the story of his friend, he's a police, and he got cancer. And he, when he went to the doctor, the doctor gave him no hope, no hope. So um, he started sharing the gospel. He, he came to know Christ in this process. And he started seeking for options and, you know, and the alternative uh, treatments. And you know what? The other day I heard um, Alejandro send me um, a little audio in WhatsApp. And I heard his testimony, and he's totally cured. I mean, he's clean. Doctors are amazed. So, listen, God does extraordinary works healing people. But in this story, we will see that those extraordinary miracles are beyond just healing of sick. Well, the, matter of fact, the verse is talking about a demon-possessed people also were free from the, the enemy. But 
as we continue to read, we will see the miracle in the life of Paul. We will see the miracle uh, that occurred in, in the next verses in the life of many, many people. God is at work. I learned, I learned this truth since I was very little in my own family. I shared with you three years ago, so I'm not going to repeat my whole testimony, but listen. I learned since I was six years old when my mom came to know Christ in 1976. I come from a very poor family. My dad was a bus driver, but a drunk, always drinking, working, hard work on my dad, but always spending his money drinking with his body. So we didn't see my father, and every time we saw my father, he was drunk. And my mom was at home. A lot of times she had a work to help. But most times she was taking care of us. I'm the youngest of four brothers. And my aunt died. So my cousin came to live with us. So five boys. My mom was raising five boys with not much money. So we saw many times my mom crying, praying, hiding that she was crying. But praying, God, provide me. Man, I can tell you miracles God did. I remember one time my mom went to the street praying, God, I don't have money to cook. And she looked at the, at the ground and the bus stop and she found a bill. And she was able to cook for us. Just one miracle God did. But my mom was depressed. And um, I have to praise my mom for being faithful to my dad, being faithful to us. Other, you know, other woman in her shoes will run away. But she stayed there. In 1976, she became to know Christ. She was the first one. So the gospel came to my family through my mom and through my mom to my brothers and myself and my dad. So my family, as I said, I learned very young, at a very young age that God is powerful and he can turn things around. And when there is no hope, now there is hope because Jesus came to our family. And he transformed my father and he transformed us. And now my brother, uh, Claudio, he's a math teacher in a college, but he's very active in his church. My cousin is a faithful Christian and Hugo, Victor, and myself are, are in full-time ministry. How I mean, you cannot do that. Only God can do that. So God continued to be at work. He is, God's work is not done. And he does extraordinary things. We experienced that doing ministry. Matt experienced that doing ministry in Africa. I'm sure he will share with you in the, in the next couple of weeks testimonies of that. But Carmen is a lady from our church that I met in a very special circumstances. Uh, Jacqueline was going to school, and the school required uniforms. So I need a uniform, and I, at the school they said, you can call two people. They make the uniform. So I called Carmen. I didn't know Carmen. I never, I never met her before. And she said, come next week. I went. She measured uh, Jacqueline, and she said, in a week, come. Now, when I saw her, I talked to her just briefly. I noticed she was kind of sad. And uh, next week, we came uh, with Jackie to pick it up, uh, that uniform, and I, God gave me a chance to talk to her. And I asked her, how are you doing? And she said, I'm not doing very well. Well, I said, well, I'm a pastor. I'm a missionary here in Rancagua. And when I said that, she opened her heart, and she started sharing the difficult uh, relationship with her husband, uh, with a daughter. And she said, sometimes I'm so depressed, I just would like to end everything and commit uh, suicide. 
And I gave me the Lord gave me a chance to share the gospel with her that day, and she accepted Christ, Carmen. Now I showed you the picture of two ladies. I told you those ladies are from Venezuela. You remember? You know how they came to know Christ? Well, Carmen. God used Carmen. Carmen, about a week later, she called me and said, Pastor, uh, Mylene is a lady from Venezuela, and she's struggling, and she's having difficulties. She's going through a hard depression, and I'm concerned she needs Christ. And I went with Robin, and we led her to Christ. And then she said, Jahaira, Jahaira is another lady that needs the Lord. Can you go and talk? So I can count at least 20 people in our church that came through Carmen to our church. So God does extraordinary things, and, uh, and it's wonderful to know that as soon as we come to know Christ, we are part of God's work. So the first truth is God, God's work is not done. God continues to be at work. Sometimes we see the news, we read the newspaper. Well, maybe many people don't read the newspaper. No, we read it online. But you see the news, you see the world, you see the confusion, sicknesses, death, and you see so dark, the, everything dark, and you think, oh, where is God? I don't see God working as he used to work before. No, he's still at work. He's still at work. Secondly, if we go to verse 11. We already read, but maybe we missed something important there. God's work requires volunteers. God's work requires volunteers. Let's see what verse 11 uh, in the part B says, that God did extraordinary works through Paul. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. I love that through Paul because I can put anybody's name, any Christian's name can be there. God does extraordinary miracles through Robin, through Phil, through Alejandro. You can put your name. You see, God wants to use us. God's work requires volunteers. God is looking for volunteers. Each believer has a sign on the back or should have a sign in their back saying, I'm a volunteer. Now, Paul is a great example of this because uh, Paul is a, is, a, is a miracle in itself. I mean, before he was Paul, he was Saul, and Saul was persecuting the Christians. He was, we find him in the chapter 9, for example, you know, persecuting the Christians. He was there when Stephen was stoned to death, and he was there approving it. And then in chapter 9, we see him going to Damascus and, and trying to find Christians to put them in prison. He, was, he didn't want to know anything about Christianity, anything about Christians. He hated Christians. He hated Jesus. And he was going to Damascus. Guess what? He met Jesus Christ. And so, you see, God did an extraordinary miracle in the life of Saul, and he became to be Paul. He's probably the most influential Christian in the whole history of the church. God does extraordinary miracles. And God is is always looking for volunteers. And Paul was one of them. Now, Paul... um, uh, Paul is, uh, is, a, is, a great, is a great example to each of us. I want to say something before I go to and, and see some of the characteristics that we see in the life of Paul that we need to have in order to be used by God to be volunteers 
or instruments in God's hands. Uh, I want to say that God does extraordinary miracles and he does it with ordinary people. God doesn't need you and you and you and me. But he chooses to use us, ordinary people, full of, you know, things. We are not perfect at all. But when we put our lives in God's hands, man, he can use us. But what do we need to have in order to be used by God? And Paul teaches several things. First, uh, we see in Paul's uh, that we need to be available. If we want to be used by God, if we want to be volunteers in God's work, we need to be available. No, to be available doesn't mean to be sitting in a rocking chair waiting for God to tell me what to do. A lot of times it's what we think. Well, I'm waiting for God to tell me what to do. And we're just sitting. No, 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 no. To be available to me to be involved in some kind of ministry. Even if it's a simple ministry, just get involved, do something for God. And as soon as we get involved, we will be available for a greater call. And that is exactly what happened to Paul. If you read Acts 9, chapter 9, verse 20, says that as at once, listen to that, at once, Paul began to preach in the synagogue that Jesus is the Son of God. As soon as he received Christ, as soon as he received his sight back, he started preaching the gospel. And in chapter 13 of the book of Acts, God called him and Barnabas to go into the mission field. You see, he was involved. He was active. And God called him. And every person, every person, women and men in the Bible that been used by God, they were always available, but they were active. And Gideon is one of them. Gideon, um, you know, Gideon was putting away the food for his family because the Malachites were going to come. They were the enemies of Israel, and they were stealing the food from the people of Israel. And Gideon was hiding the food for his family when God called him. And you will be a judge. And you will free my people. And God used him in a great way. Moses is another example. Moses. He was taking care of the sheep. Of his father-in-law. And David was busy. Taking care of the sheep. When God called him. To be a hero. We need to get involved. We need to be available. If we want to be used by God, but secondly, we need to be humble. We need to take our pride and throw it away and put it in the garbage can because a lot of times God doesn't use us because we want the glory. We want to be in the center of everything, and it doesn't work that way. God wants the glory, and He wants humble people that recognize that they cannot do anything. Except through Jesus Christ. And the Bible says in the book of James chapter 4 that God opposes the proud. If you are a proud person, God opposes to you. Be careful. We need to be humble because God shows favor to the humble. God shows favor to the humble. We need to be humble, but we need to be faithful. 
Ah, being faithful is hard, it's hard work. It's not easy to be faith, faithful. Sometimes we try to teach our kids, make your bed or do simple tasks. They do it for one day, two days, three days, and they, they stop doing it. You have to keep encouraging them. You have to do it until they learn that you, they need to be faithful in what they do. A lot of times we are not faithful. And for us as pastors, as missionaries, if you are a leader of a ministry and you are seeking for people to help you, it's not easy to find faithful people. You give them the task, they do it for one week, two weeks, a month, two, and then they quit. But God is looking for faithful people. So even if you are doing something simple, you need to be faithful. Be faithful. When you are faithful in the little, God will give you greater task. Greater challenges when you are faithful in the little. So God's work requires volunteers. God is at work. God's work is not done. God requires volunteers for his work. But also, in third place, God's work is always opposed. You remember the pattern? God's work always is being opposed. As soon as a Christian stand up. Led by the Holy Spirit and want to do something for God, the devil will be there trying to stop him. As soon as a church mobilizes and organizes, we are going to reach this area for the Lord. Prepare, be prepared. The devil will always be there trying to stop, stop God's work. See what the Bible says. Some Jews who went, I'm sorry, some, yeah, some Jews who went around driving out evil spirit try to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. Now, by the way, this is one of the greatest obstacles Paul had in Ephesus. Immorality, they, they have so many other things. Uh, idolatry, but sorcery, you know. The occult was very popular, uh, and we can see it in this passage. And they tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They will say, they, they, they will say this, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. And seven sons of Siva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this one day the evil spirit Answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Who are you? I know Paul, I know Jesus. The demon recognized who Paul was. The demon recognized who Jesus was, but he couldn't recognize the seven men. And what happened? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and now overpowered them all. They were seven. This was only one. And he gave them such a beating. They learned the lesson, let me tell you, that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. So here we have seven men trying to invoke the name of Jesus. And they didn't know Jesus, but the demon-possessed men overpowered them all. So they left naked, full of wounds, bleeding, running. Imagine the picture. Now, what is the devil trying to accomplish? We can ask that question. What this has to do with God, God's work? I mean, why? 
Is this happening? Well, before I answer, let's say a few things about Satan that we have to remember. We have to remember that Satan is real. He is real. He is at work. He has his demons. And they are at work. And they are trying to stop God's work. And they are powerful. You know, Satan has power. He's not all powerful like our God, but he is powerful. And we can see his power in this world today. And when you mix that reality of Satan and that power of Satan with how wicked he is because he is wicked, oh man, we have something very dangerous. We were in Philadelphia uh, about a month and a half ago. We were uh, visiting churches and we were staying in a house in a very rough area, dangerous area of Philadelphia. There's a lot of shootings there. Matter of fact, a couple of years ago, Robin and I were there and we, we had a, a gunshot and a man uh, was killed just in the corner of where we were staying. But uh, we were ready to go to my sister-in-law's house to eat dinner one night and we start driving a couple blocks away. We saw this person coming in the middle of the street. When we got closer, we noticed it was a lady, drunk and naked, walking in the middle of the street towards our car. Man, that was shocking to see that. So we, we didn't even recover from that. When we turned and we saw the police, and they were, all the traffic was going slower because the police was there in the corner. And when we got to the corner, we saw this car full of gunshots. Then we read on the news that a 50-year-old man was shot. Man, that was a, you know, a good reminder right there of how wicked the devil is and how he's working and destroying people, destroying marriages, destroying families, destroying teenagers like Stephen Oscar's son that committed suicide. He is at work and he is destroying. But you know what? He's also a deceiver. He's a deceiver. He's always trying to confuse people. He's an imitator. Every time God's people start working, he tries to imitate it, to confuse people. That is exactly what he's trying to do with these seven men, the sons of Siva. He's trying to, they are trying to imitate what Paul was doing. They saw Paul preaching. They saw Paul healing. They saw Paul bringing uh, you know, deliverance to those demon possessed. And these men were trying to do the same thing. But they didn't know Jesus Christ. Now, Satan is a deceiver. John 8, talk, talking about tongues and difficulty of talking. Do you know what is, what is the native, uh, na native uh, language of Satan? The book of John says that, that uh, when he lies, he speaks his native language. I'm reading John 8, 44. For he is a liar and the father of lies. He's a deceiver. He transformed himself, says uh, 2 Corinthians, into an angel of light. We need to be careful with Satan. Fourth, God's work always bears fruit. Let's read quickly these verses. Time is flying. Verse 17 says, when this became known to the Jews. I mean, this was in first page of the newspaper. And the Greeks, 
living in Ephesus, they were all seized with the fear of God. And the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believe now came, listen, and openly confessed what they had done. And a number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls, their books, together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. Is the salary of a whole year of 150 men. The average salary for a whole year for 150 men value today will be about $5 million. Imagine the, how big this bonfire was. Because God's work always bears fruit. We see the fruit. We see, first of all, the fear of God coming to the people. The, by the way, uh, the key to have wisdom is to have the fear, fear God. No? The, the beginning of knowledge is the fear of God. The fear of God came upon and save and save. So some people that didn't know Christ, now they came to know Christ. And those that knew Christ now came and something happened. First conviction. The Holy Spirit touched the heart of people. When we hear the word of God, we always hope that people will be convicted. Ourselves and you. Convicted. Things in your life that are not right, the Holy Spirit will point it in you. And you will feel, hey, this is not right. I'm doing this. It's not right. Conviction. And then confession. They openly confess what they were doing. What important is that confession? Uh, second, First uh, John chapter one verse nine talk about that. That we, when we confess our sin, when we confess our sins, He's just and faithful, and He forgives us. The only thing He doesn't forgive is that one you don't confess. But when you confess, oh, the blood of Jesus washes and cleans. But you need to be convicted. And conviction leads lead you to confession. And confession leads you to consecration. Listen what the people did. They burned the, those books, those scrolls. They brought them. They, they got rid of them. And we are not going to, as Christians, to advance, to grow. If we don't get rid of those things. I mean, you can be convicted. You can confess and continue doing the same thing. Doesn't work that way. You need to be convicted. You need to confess. And you need to consecrate it. You need to burn it. And give it to God. Amen. And the result, first, faith, God's word continues to grow. See what it says in verse 20. It says, in this way, the word of the Lord is spread widely. And grew in power. Everybody found out about Jesus. And the word of God grew in power. More Christians were added to the church. Now sometimes we might say, well, I don't see growth. I don't see growth in my life. I don't see growth in my youth, in my youth group. I don't see growth in, in my life group. I don't see growth. What is happening? Maybe we need to realize that we are not in connection with God's work. But God is at work. And he's doing great works. He's doing extraordinary miracles. He's looking for volunteers. On, Maybe you are here today and God is calling you to be one of the volunteers. As God called me when I was 18 years old to service. Maybe God is calling some teens today. To say, here I am, God, I want to be a pastor, I want to be a missionary, I want to be in ministry. 
But maybe today you are here and you need to confess. You need to consecrate your life. There is things in your life that you are doing nobody knows. But you need to open your heart. Your heart. Openly confess today. And you need to bring it and burn it. Give it to God. And get freedom. So you can serve God and be an instrument in God's hand. God can use you in a wonderful way. God wants to do extraordinary works through you. As he did it through Paul. But you need to get rid of things in your life. We are going to close our eyes. And bow down our heads. As, as we close our eyes. And bow down, bow down our heads. There is anything in your life today that the Spirit is convicting you. Something you are doing. You are looking. A relationship that might be, might be wrong. A friendship. Or maybe some part of your body you need to consecrate to God. Maybe your eyes, your ears. Maybe your hands. Because you are hidden. Maybe your feet are leading you to the wrong place. And you need to give your feet to God. Maybe your head is full of things you shouldn't be thinking about. And you need to bring it to God. God is here willing to forgive you. If you want to consecrate your life, confess, stand up where you are. Stand up. I would love to pray for you. If there's anything... You want to give to God. Stand up right now. Maybe you want to be in ministry. And you are saying, God, here I am. I'm willing. I want to be a volunteer in your work. Here I am. Stand up. Anybody else? Anybody else? That has been convicted and want to confess and consecrate. God, we love you. We thank you for the opportunities you give us. We don't deserve it. We are human, ordinary people with so many limitations. But even though we have limitations, when we put our lives in your hands, you can use us in ways we cannot even imagine. Thank you for these people that stand up today. I don't know them, but you know their hearts. You know what they are struggling with. You know what they are giving, giving to you today, what they are burning but you know their hearts. They are willing. They want to grow. They want to serve. They want to be used by you. Lord, bless them. Help them. And that this will be a starting point for them in their growth and walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand together, okay? And uh, here's how we're going to clear. Awesome, brother. Thank you. Thank you. I love your passion for the Lord and for his word, and um, it came through clearly. Here's how we're going we're gonna to close. As you walk out, those of you who stood, you want, you want to come down here at the end and let us just pray over you? If you, I, we're not going to like ask you to, ask, to tell us what the thing is you're wanting to, to lay down or what you want to give to the Lord, but we would love to pray over that. Um, I've done that so many times in my life where I would need to give something away. I need to give it to the Lord. And I've just come down and had somebody pray over that. And so we're going to make that time available to you. If you, want, if you did stand and you want to come down here, we'll, we'd love to pray over that.
If you, know the, if you don't know the Lord and you would like to know the Lord, if you would like to be part of this miracle work that Jesus is doing in bringing people into salvation from death into life, please let us help you with that. If you're online and you would like to know the Lord, you can reach out to our prayer team right now and um, we wanna help you with that. Okay, you guys are gonna go back to your table. They're gonna go back to their table, uh, Robin and Jacqueline and Alejandro, so that you can meet them and uh, grab one of their prayer cards and be praying for them and commit, commit to helping them in uh, prayer. And maybe the Lord's leading on, laying on your heart to help them financially also, but um, they're doing a great work. Appreciate that. I'm gonna dismiss you in the name of the Lord um, to go in his might and in his power because he's still performing miracles. He's still working in the hearts of people. He's still changing lives. So let's go be part of all the great work that he's doing. You're dismissed. Thank you so much for joining us for this morning's online service. Our hope is that it ministered to your heart deeply, and we pray that it inspires you to love God, love people, and influence our world with the gospel of Christ. If you made a spiritual decision today, or you'd like prayer in your life, we'd invite you to fill out an online connection card by clicking on the link. If you haven't downloaded our church app yet, now's a great time. It has tons of resources and opportunities that you can take advantage of. Finally, you can check out our website, fbclcart.org, to stay connected with us. We hope you have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you right back here next week, same time.